Hey, quality people, we are back for part two of my own personal uh, interviews here with the Healthcare Quality Cast. And as you have already experienced in part one, um, two absolutely amazing uh, previous guests and, and honestly just personal friends and supporters of the podcast. Um, we have Dr. Nigel Brown and Miss Evita Payton coming to, um, you know, really serve as the host for this entire conversation. And when we set it up again, this was something that was only supposed to be about an hour, like every typical show. And three hours later, um, we finally produced something worth listening to. So with no further ado, I'm going to go ahead and kick in part two of this conversation. We are literally picking up where I ended part one at, and we're going to open up with the next question coming from Dr. Nigel Brown. So quality people, I hope um, this uh, entire interview and this entire um, reflection on the journey, both for the podcast and bits and pieces of my professional life that have gotten me to this uh, part in the journey, um, I hope it just resonates and it gives a deeper background with everything that I try to accomplish with the podcast. So again, with no further delay, here is part two, and we'll be back next week with part three, the final um, the final episode of this entire interview. But enjoy, everyone. So Jarvis, um, so you've spoken with uh, a lot of people. You've heard a lot of different points of feedback. Uh, just based on your, your areas of expertise, what would you say would be three critical concepts or topics? Uh, that healthcare leaders should have on their radar, based on your expertise and what you've uh, what you brought us through. In this. All right, so great question. I would say number one is understanding that quality is a result of strategy. So we all know that famous quote, right? Your processes are designed to, you know, perfectly get the results that it gets. Strategically what are you doing and this is you know obviously to my quality people but for my healthcare leaders out there what are you doing in your organization to ensure that you have a a process for strategically looking into your processes making things better or at least assessing how things are going um yeah uh, so many times we just train people without connecting the dots to the end outcome we're really trying to achieve. So that'd be the first takeaway, um, measuring performance. And, you know, again, it's, I, I would say simple is always better. We don't always need super high tech statistical analyses and or, um, you know, uh, the um, tableau charts that are all beautiful and designed out for multiple progressions and periods you know, can we capture process data right here in the moment with a simple tick chart? Yes or no? Like if we can't do the simple stuff, I don't care about the, the big data stuff just yet. It's important, but a lot of my emphasis in the work I do, and I, again, I, I'm sure I've said this in previous episodes, let's do the simple stuff, the basic stuff, the, the small data stuff, let's be really good at that. Um, I would say the last thing, especially now with healthcare being so strained, um, and again, I'm, I connect with so many people throughout the weeks today, even with me being removed from everyday healthcare, um, I still connect with so many people who are either asking like, hey, Jarvis, you escaped. Like people are looking at the industry as the escape route now. I'm tired of healthcare. I want to get out. I'm tired of administration. Like, can I make a career change or can I start a business? I'm seeing a lot of that now. And I would encourage every leader to focus on the people. Um, look at the things that are burning them out. You know, I don't want to say throw the budget to the side. We have to manage responsibly. But what is it going to take to make people, you know, really feel that you got their back, whether it's development, whether it's increasing your staffing so you can balance the burden. I think a lot of it, again, comes to the fact that not a lot of groups do strategy very well. Either there are groups, and I've worked with them, 
they don't have a very good strategic planning process. They don't have a very good strategic execution process. And I think a lot of that plays into the burnout now. Now everything's reaction, right? The whole purpose of strategy is that we're trying to move into a space we've never been to before. And people are using strategy, best case scenario, as the checklist. So take care of your people, focus on the right data, um, and, and um, you know, focus on strategy, strategically trying to stay ahead of the, the gamut so we don't get all the stress. And I'll throw one last one in just because I got so many. Um, I would say for us as quality people, um, get off, get off of the playbook. So kind of what I mean in that mindset is, you know, a lot of us going to, we're, we're in, we're doing lean, we're implementing lean and, you know, we're doing Six Sigma and, and we feel like we have to stick to the playbook. Um, I think right now, specifically right now, we have to figure out how to maybe get off the playbook and just go, go solve a problem, right? Just go to a unit, ask them what's the biggest thing that sucks for them? What's stressing your teams out? Oh, you know, we, we can't get people discharged and just go, go, okay, go watch the process. Simplify it, right? Go map the process. I've seen so many projects being done without a process map. That's a problem, right? So don't feel like it has to be this big lean, this and Kaizans and, you know, demand. Just go solve a problem. If by the end of this day, you can't help that team come up with a basic solution, you know, we're not in this period where we have 12 months to implement one solution right now. Like these people need help today. So I would say, feel free, get off, get off the playbook a little bit. You can come back to it when the world calms down a little bit, but go solve a problem. Keep it simple. Don't stress the teams out. Um, so yeah, I could probably keep going, but let me, let me stop there with those four now. <laughs> wow. That's, that's fantastic, Jarvis. I, I'm, I'm wondering, man, if I were to jump up and say, we need more lean thinking, I wonder how you would respond to that. Um, <laughs> I, I, I would agree. We just, we just don't have the months and months that we can take to get the ball moving. Like we have to figure out that, that everyday Kaizen mentality, like just, solve a basic problem today and go solve one more tomorrow and one more the next day. You know, if you can solve a problem a day, you're doing something pretty special, but you know, Six Sigma is breakthrough achievement and it takes yeah. 12 months. We we're not there right now. We don't have, you know, we do a Kaizen event. It's amazing in a week you could get a lot done, but it took you, you know, six weeks to get prepared for it. Right. So yeah. You know, we we have to be a little bit more practical. That's all. And I still believe lean and Six Sigma 100%. I think you also have to read the time in which it's the right time to use the different techniques. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I was intentionally saying that to sort of irritate you uh, a little bit. <laughs> you, you know Based our past conversation, so. <laughs> <laughs> Based on what you were telling us there, but yeah. that, thank you for that, that, that insight. But, okay, so Jarvis, so, what do you see as the number one challenge and the number one opportunity or are, are these four, um, are these the things that you're presenting as our number one challenge and our number one opportunities or is there something different? Yeah, I, I think what I just mentioned absolutely aligns. Um, the big problem for us really? as quality people, I think is again, keeping it simple so that people want to do a project or want to solve a problem with your help. Right. If you're the quality person or the quality team and people avoid you and go somewhere else to get support, that's a problem. Um, I think we have to create a brand for ourselves internal to the teams that we help so that, you know, I, I, I've always said it for my career path. Like if you all are solving a problem without me, that's a problem. Now, if they are solving a problem without me, I need to figure out why that problem exists. So um, but for healthcare as a whole, I think it comes back to taking care of our professionals, um, nurses, doctors, administrators, like there's a lot of stress on the system right now. Um, so we got to figure that out. Um, again, I'm, I'm working with a group right now that I truly believe will absolutely disrupt healthcare as, as they continue to kind of get their um, business figured out. So I think another cool opportunity is for all of us, healthcare leaders, but health, uh, quality professionals to look at what's coming. Um, 
I spend a lot of time because of the research that I do to find people for the, the podcast and just because I'm a nerd like that anyway, um, I spend a lot of time researching just what's coming down the pike and, you know, outside of, you know, regulations and legislation, there's a lot of cool businesses being created right now that I think have the potential to flip the entire industry upside down. And it's going to be really dope when it happens. But now, how do we be prepared to either get on board to support it, um, you know, leverage it for our own personal success, our career success? So I hope everybody's doing their research. I mean, I still talk about um, I'm, I'm Dr. Pillay, um, the, the presentation that he did, what, three, four years ago, at least now, Nigel? in san antonio i think yeah san antonio I, I still brag about you connecting with my grandma down in san antonio nigel but oh, yeah. um but yeah you know that presentation i think was one of the earliest presentations that got me thinking like oh i need to be looking 10 20 years down the road um i don't think we're in a space now where you could just try to get a year ahead i think we have to be looking several years five to ten minimum and then creating a plan for our careers that can align with the things that are coming. Like I'm, I'm literally studying the metaverse now and wondering how to teach classes in the metaverse. I'm giving that away for free. Like there's gonna be a unique opportunity to have a Zoom call in the metaverse. What does that look like for healthcare quality improvement professionals? You know, you could do a lot more. So I don't know. I mean, there's so much that I think we should be uh, planning and preparing for proactively. And I just want to make sure everybody has that on the radar. If not, you're going to be playing behind the, you know, kind of playing behind the, uh, the wave again and that nobody wants to be there. Wow. Wow. <laughs> you know, and, and some of what I'm hearing you say too, Jarvis, is that uh, as quality and improvement professionals, uh, we, we can wear different hats and, and sometimes the hat is facilitator. And so the most important thing is to make the methodology accessible to those that we're guiding and to make sure that they are driving the ultimate um, discovery so that they can sustain it. So I hear what you're saying. We have this, this need if our stakeholder is an executive and they're asking us to tie things to strategy and they want results. And then on the other hand too, we know that they also want a culture. How can you choose something that can be more stepwise for that um, team member that is that is in the thick of it and there's so much operational stress? How do you make it accessible and how do you do it incrementally to allow them to, to not want to throw their hands up and say, what are you doing to me? Yeah. So I, I, I value what you're saying there that um, we can't come in with some sort of preconceived um, solution or just take a book and say, I'm just going to follow black and white letter of, of this tool, but we have to be ready to um, co-design yeah. in order to, to be successful and help others to be successful. And, and I wonder with that point on success, could you talk about the biggest professional success and your biggest professional failure that you've had? And what you've learned from those? All right, um, I could try. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I, I say try because I, I don't know. I, I still maybe I struggle with giving myself credit for any success. Um, I, I will say personally, maybe having the podcast out there is a success because it's hopefully going to inspire so many other people that get a chance to to learn from others. Um, I, I think maybe one of just a courageous thing was officially making a decision to move into my business full time. Um, I'm still seeking my success, but you know, I'm, I'm on a journey now that I think better aligns with where I want to go. Like, again, I, I felt at the end of my corporate career, you know, I, I was at a point where I was just like, you know, if I got fired, I wouldn't care. Like that was my attitude and that's not me. Right. So I knew that I was just at a point where it, when it didn't matter, when I wasn't as driven um, and I, I had more passion about 
finding time right at the end of my corporate career. I, I made a kind of a pact to myself that I want to get paid to build my business. So in the middle of still working in a corporate position, I was I, I challenged myself that at least 20 hours of the week, I was going to find time to build my business during the workday. And so, you know, again, when I got to the point where I knew that it was more important for me to build my business than kind of pursue the corporate career path, um, just making a decision to finally say, I'm done, and, you know, walk away and create something totally brand new. Again, I, I don't know if that's a success, but that's kind of what I give my, my give myself credit for is just taking that step. Um, I will That's say, amazing. I, amazing. yeah, and I just want to say, because like, also it is amazing because you're describing, it wasn't just a success because of the outcome, right? Getting the, your podcast out there, but you're mentioning the process, like all of the things you had to do yes. to, to get it going. And that that is part of the success is that you, you count rolling up your sleeves and figuring it out part of the success. Yeah. Well, I, I just know for sure it's part of the journey. Um, <laughs> and I, I was talking with someone pretty recently, so this is still fresh in my brain, but um, another healthcare professional who is trying to make a transition into her business, she's got the foundation, but she's, she's building it. So I'm coaching her right now. Um, but I kind of told her that same story. It was like, yep, in the last few months before I made my leap, I was like, you know, I, I want to get paid to build my business and basically steal time. Like I'm putting it out there, right? Um, and I challenged her to do the same, but it even started with me going to HR. I had a conversation with HR. I was like, what does it take to get fired? <laughs> you know, I wanted to know how many, how many times can I get caught stealing time? And I had, a, that was an honest conversation. Um, and, you know, the HR conversations, you know, they, I don't know if they ever told, but, you know, I had the trust that they didn't go report me right there on the spot. I had a conversation with my supervisor at the time and told her, you might have a year left. You know, and I, I put it out there. It was like, I'm on borrowed time right now. And so, you know, these were honest conversations when I made that decision. Um, and yeah, just if that helps for anybody who kind of finds themselves in a similar place, come up with a plan. Now I had a, I call it my escape, my, my exit strategy. Um, but yeah, having straight up conversations, that was, you know, I didn't care at that point. Fire me. Good. That'll force me out the nest faster. So that was, that was my attitude. But again, I, I just knew I wasn't happy to have that, you know, with good people that I was still working with. Um, the failure, there's a lot of failures because I am quick to make a mistake and own it. So very early in my career, I remember getting called out by a VP. This was when I was still working at Duke. And the way he called me out, he, he just misspoke about an opportunity on a project we were working with. And I let him know how I felt about it, which wasn't a bad thing. I was professional in my reply, but um, the first failure there was a reply all. I learned the power of not replying all. I probably should have had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with him. Um, but yeah, I expressed myself um, and I hit the reply all button and everybody was like, damn, Jarvis. <laughs> so that that's that's one quick lessons learned. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, a, a moment. I've had two moments in my career that have made me cry. And and I say that because, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a big guy, former football player. I'm a, a tough as nails. Right. Mm -hmm. Um <clears throat> One was, uh, and both of them were when I was in the same position as an emergency department director, um, I had a chance to step in. It was an interim position, and I, I was already doing projects in the ER. I grew up in the ER, and the CEO trusted me to you know, hold the position while they recruited to fill it. So I was there for five or six months, basically. And um, during that time, we made a product change in our needles for how the, the nursing staff, the care staff would uh, draw blood. And the entire time they complained about it. And, you know, so the change management process, that, that's the mistake that I'll key in on. We just made a change. We didn't discuss it. We didn't educate. Um, and I knew it was wrong, but, you know, at the same time, I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm trusting everybody that this is the way to do it. But deep down, I didn't I didn't stop the line is what we say, right? But I, I didn't step up further. 
Um, and people, you know, we just manage the complaints and all right, but you got to do it. Corporate said, right. And then one of our nurses had an accidental needle stick with a patient that was HIV positive. Mm -hmm. And so for all of the stress that I went through at that time with that change, when she, and she was a, she was a single mom of triplets. So, I mean, like, can we add on all the reasons the scenario sucks? Um, but yeah, she had an accidental needle stick, single mom triplets, and it took several days to, you know, for her to go through the protocols to see if she had contracted anything. And she like just came in and she is, she let me have it in a good way. Jarvis, I'm so disappointed. You know, we, we have you in this position. We trust you as our leader. You didn't protect us. That was the conversation. And I broke down, like I'm about to break down now, but, um, but that was a moment where that's, that's when I knew I would never compromise my beliefs over trusting corporate, right? Just screw this. I'm always going to stand up for my team. Even if my team is wrong, I'm going to stand up and we're going to, you know, we're going to figure it out together, but I'm going to back them. So that was one of the worst feelings, another feeling, and then I'll, I'll stop talking because I, again, I, I've had many of uh, failures that I've learned from, um, but the other one was in that same role, we ended up having some security issues. Some patients came in with guns and knives, normal stuff for the ER. <clears throat> and um, when those two, we had two scenarios where over the course of like three days where one person came in with a gun and was belligerent about his child who was in the department. Um, and the staff called me at like two o'clock in the morning to let me know this was happening. And I had to drive into the hospital and, you know, we, we, nothing bad happened by the grace of God. And then when the second event happened a couple of days later, it was a patient with a knife who, who did, um, she, he, he cut one of the nurses. And so I had already had the previous scenario that I just mentioned. And I went into the CEO's office on fire. Again, I, I, I was not in control of my emotions, but I went in and demanded, you know, security at the front door. We need metal detectors, et cetera, et cetera. And I was turned down. And again, that was, I, I fought though. That was what I give myself credit for. And immediately after I was just like, you know, I can't, I can't work here now because emotionally, I think I just kind of went through a lot in a short period of time. So the, the failure in that is that I, you know, I've questioned it because I ended up transferring to a different hospital, same system, different hospital, but that, that just stuck with me. Then I was like, did I quit on them? And so I've questioned that plenty of times. It's like, you know, was I supposed to keep fighting or did I just make the right choice for me at the time, which was to transfer and, you know, kind of, I took on different responsibilities and I'm still friends with those leaders, you know, so the relationships weren't there, but deep down for me personally, those are just the ways that I've questioned myself. Jarvis, you know, thank you for being so authentic and for sharing things that reveal your heart because they, you know, they, I, I can see uh, that it, it brings some memories of, of pain, right? Yes. But, you know, the ability to go through those kind of things, to be in the arena and come out with a lesson learned shows a lot of strength. I know that's something I have uh, witnessed in you, um, not just with you sharing the story here. Um, it's the strength uh, that you have that I, I truly admire. You, you care for people. And I think um, that's why you can, you can see that there's still that emotion there, right? Is, is going through uh, uh, those learnings um, is essential, but it's painful. I really appreciate your honesty uh, and your willingness to share that here with us and with your listeners. Uh, thank you. Well, you know, again, I think, I think we have to go through a lot of that. And I think everybody's going to face the pain in their own way, but how does that drive your tomorrow? Um, right. My mom used to tell us, you know, growing up, like no matter what, the sun's coming up. So how do you take it all and still be prepared for the very next day? So again, when I, when I got into my business now, and again, I'm still, I, I still say I'm learning to be a better business person. 
But those are the things now with the people that I engage with, the customer, like I, I literally will tell a client, if I choose to work with you, right now I'm at a point where I'm not trying to chase every check. Now, the, at the very beginning, I was chasing every check because I, I needed some income. Um, but, you know, I'm starting to get into a place where I now, I, I have my mission, vision, and values for my business very clear. I'm looking for clients that I can support who are in a similar space. And if we can work together, and, and so I, I, I want to just connect the dot there, you know, again, if it's the corporate life or if it's, you know, for anyone um, developing your own business, like find the people you can work with, the people who are just on the same mission and, and it just makes the entire journey better. That's, that's kind of what I've learned at this place is, you know, I want, I want the right people that I could connect with and give value to. They're trying to do something amazing that I also believe in. So yeah, you know, it, it starts to frame up all your principles over time. Yeah, and you've, you've connected with a lot of people, so many people and, and, and how you've drawn out insights from them. I know, like we mentioned at the beginning here that you asked them uh, the same question, right? Your standard work of questions. Did you find there was a common thread as to the way people answered um, one particular question? You know, Nigel and I were thinking about this particular question as, uh, as you know, potentially having either some patterns or, or maybe more variation, but what are your personal favorite go-to tools or techniques for approaching improvement, right? That question yeah. that you asked folks, did you find there was a common thread? You know, what were the most varied responses? And what hey, Jarvis, and Jarvis, before you answer that, um, Avita, so sorry to jump in, but I wanted, no, to I, I wanted to personally thank Jarvis for the previous question and his response, all of his responses actually. But Avita, I, I got to tell you, um, thank you for explaining um, and, and going over, you know, the, the value of what Jarvis did because sincerely I was at a loss for words. So I, before Jarvis gets to this course, I just want to say thank the both of you um, because I was really at a loss for words. Uh, thanks so much. Yeah, no, no those, were, those were interesting, interesting moments. Um, and I'll say too, being a parent now, um, you know, having better principles, you know, I, I needed those lessons and it's just, mm. The things that, you know, we get put in, you know, there, there's a reason I think I went through a lot of that at that time. Um, I'm a happier person now, but it, it sucked at the time. <laughs> um, now for, for this question here, it's so funny. I, I know a lot of times people defaulted to Dr. Google. Um, you know, a, a lot of people said Google is being kind of their number one resource or the thing that they default to. Um, I remember when I, when I created that question, I wanted it to be kind of a, a hack so that if I can learn, you know, the tips and the tools and the things that people were doing like that, well, let, let me, let me back up and say this. A lot of the questions were very much coming from a selfish mindset. Um, because I, and again, it was like, if I want to know these, everybody else want to know them, but it was like, but I get to hear it first. Right. Um, so yeah, that was just me trying to say, what are other systems or processes that I'm not familiar with? Um, I think the biggest thing that may stand out is all around getting clear on stakeholders um, in projects. So I know just right off of my memory, at least, Avita, um, so many of the thoughts are around how people try to break down their customers and clients that they're working with on projects. Ah. That, that's probably the biggest one, because I would say for a lot of project issues and failures, it usually comes because we didn't communicate with someone, which probably means we didn't identify them early enough in the project. Yeah, um, communication is key in identifying those stakeholders for sure. Right. Yeah, that, that's, that's the biggest thing that pops out for that one. And any tool that someone mentioned that was so unique from, from others that you might recall? I'm putting you on the spot, so. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, I, I, I will say, you know, that's one of the things still, even 150 plus episodes in, 
I, I have the intent, I'm going to ask somebody, <clears throat> excuse me, to go back and listen to many of these episodes and better document all the takeaways. Because I, I, I envision creating this big, like, I don't know, resource guide for like the top tools that healthcare professionals are using, et cetera. Um, I know a lot of people were saying uh, Microsoft Teams at the time, just because, and that, a lot of that I think was driven by the pandemic. Um, I'm trying to think of any cool tools that I learned that I put in place. Um, Trello is a great one. Miro was a good one. And, and funny enough, I've, I'm only now, or maybe over the last maybe six months, starting to use Miro a lot more um, in the work that I do. Um, Notion is another one, and it came from a recommendation. And I've, I've used Notion now personally for a lot of the strategy, you know, managing strategy in my own business. Um, so Notion was a good one. Um, uh, I'm, I can see it, but I'm just, I can't think of the name of it right this second, but um, I had the founder of the company was on the show. Oh, Achieve It. Um, so Achieve It is one of my personal favorite tools. And I was fortunate to get the founder for that company to come onto the show. And, um, and he talked about achievement, but it was really a conversation around strategy. And so we had that conversation, but the tool, the system that they promote is achievement. And I, I have no financial relationship with that company. Mm -hmm. But again, I, I mentioned strategy being probably the most important thing for all healthcare companies to, to focus on. Mm -hmm. And they believe in the ideal version of strategy. So getting clear on strategy, implementing strategy maps, using strategy maps to create our balanced scorecards and things like that. Like they believe in strategy, the way that it was designed by, you know, Kaplan and, and the team back in the day. And then their, their system leverages it pretty well. So, so I, not, again, I'm not hawking achieve it because there are other tools. That's the tool. The, the takeaway would still be strategy, like getting really clear on how we do it so finding the right tools that would then support it. Um, I'll say disappointingly, I don't think any great analytical tools came out of the podcast, um, but I was fortunate to get Jay Arthur on the show, uh, who is the creator for QI Macros. Mm -hmm. So he came on and we talked about Lean and Six Sigma. He also shares this mindset about keeping it simple, like don't overcomplicate Lean and Six Sigma. Um, but his tool, QI Macros, is a really simple tool for doing analytics. Yeah. But we've not had a lot of good analytics takeaways that I can recall right here on the spot, at least. But I don't know. That, I'll stop there. There's there's a number of resources if you pick every episode. But I, I really want to create like this great compendium of all the good takeaways and, and make it simpler to uh, to answer that question, I think. That would be an awesome repository. Yeah, you'll have to keep us in the know when you have that available. Yeah, it's, it's the time game at this point. Like I, I have so many goals and, and dreams with the content is just finding the time to pull it all together now. Completely understand. Okay, thank you for that, Jarvis. So Jarvis, you, you've spoken with a lot of people. Um, you've been mentored. Uh, by a lot of people, uh, um, and you've mentored a lot of people and influenced a lot of people. So if you could please just share with us um, an industry-relevant leader that had the most influence on your career, and you may have touched upon some of these names already, but um, if you can go back, the, the most influence on your career, and what was that impact? All right. Um... And I guess I would first have to say, you know, my my prior team back at Duke, um, I mentioned Kevin Sowers yes. and literally a leader that I've not talked to in years, but get coming into the industry and seeing someone at his level um, has just been an inspiration. And, and during that time when I worked there, I had a few conversations and again, it's just like, oh, wow, this is this is leadership. Um, but I had a number of good leaders at that time, a lot of good colleagues and peers who I've kind of watched their career paths and now they're literally in leadership positions across the board. Hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm one of those guys. I'm, I'm almost willing to say just about everybody's an impact or influence. I mean, 
the two of you and everybody who's been on the show, you know, again, I, I, I try to take something away from every conversation or, or do my part to leave people a little bit better than when I find them. But I, I can name so many leaders, good and bad. Um, I actually had a leader before I came into healthcare who showed me exactly the kind of leader I did not want to be like. And I still talk about her to this day. Um, and in respect, even though she was, in my opinion, not a really good leader, she, she knew that. She would actually tell us, I'm not a good leader. I'm not here to lead you, like literally. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> you don't hear that very often. I don't think I've heard that once, but that's oh, yeah. wow, frightening. <laughs> oh, like she, she, she literally took pride in it. Um, so it's not me just being super nitpicky or anything, but yeah, um, yeah no, I, I don't know. I couldn't tailor it down to one, man. I, I'm yeah. kind, I'm always in like learn mode. Right. And then I, I tell yeah. folks, like I attract the most random people and then I'll have a conversation and then they drop something on me. I was like, man, that was really insightful, you know? So, and then I, I, I hold on to bits and pieces of random conversations that I see how I can mold it into my, you know, into my disciplines or my, my thinking process. And so like literally everyone that I come across potentially has an impact to be a teacher or a guru or I don't know, you know, a Sherpa, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, you know, my rabbi, I had a really good friend of mine who is a young Jewish lady and she's younger than me in age, but I swear she's like, I don't know, decades older than me in maturity. And I used to call her my rabbi. And so, yeah, wow. every, everybody that I've had a chance to connect with, I try to steal something that I think could benefit for me or, you know, benefit me or the people in my, my circles. Yes, great, great. You're like a, a sponge in that in that, in that arena. I try, um, I try. Grabbing as much as you can and and, and, and seeing the, the positive uh, in people as well. Um, Avita, how do you think we're doing on time, Avita and Jarvis? Um, we, we're set up for this two-minute drill here, um, and I know we had a natural break potentially there. We put this little spot here, Jarvis, in case we needed to do a break because... We have that two-minute drill, okay. uh, like a series of questions here. I guess actually, no, it looks like it might just be two, two questions, but there's still after that one, two, three, four, five, six other questions. So um, just wanted to check in. Yeah. Are we are we wanting to push or um, well, is this a spot that we would, you know, you would potentially just we would record we continue right now and then you would slice this as like a part one part two or yeah so I'm, I'm good on time on my end um mm -hmm. and yeah I'm thinking this will probably be a two-parter now like I said Phil let's keep on talking for as much as you all continue to have um yeah. and then when I listen to the recording uh, you know I'll kind of try to figure out the the middle point in the conversation and I'll editorialize it as well to say all right you just got part one all right here comes yeah. part two okay good good yeah uh Darvis, i gotta say there is this is um this is more than what i was expecting i was expecting great but this is <laughs> i mean your responses and information that you're sharing uh with the community is uh it's amazing it's it's i don't, I don't know what else to say it's it's, it's yeah. great no, I, I appreciate it. Trust me, I I had no idea what I would be saying today. So um, y'all asking great questions. I mean, so yeah, uh, in my head, I was like, man, I feel like I've been holding a lot of this back for the years with the mm -hmm. podcast. So just, I, I started nervous and now in my head, I was like, all right, stop talking. I, I feel like I could probably keep on talking with some of these responses. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's great. So like it's giving you a platform to finally share what you've been thinking for a while it sounds like yeah well and didn't even realize you know I, <laughs> I, I was more willing to share than I gave myself credit for I guess <laughs> yeah this is fantastic okay well um, yeah I guess we we will launch into this section so uh this is a two-parter right and I know you say it this way too to your guests two-parter question First, you need to tell our quality people something about your current role 
that inspires you to do your best, then share with us how you inspire other professionals. All right. So I, I could do like my normal guess. I'm like, all right, say that first part again. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so how I inspire other, well, what, how people inspire me, um, honestly, is after I get a chance to connect with people and, and I know that they, they are trusting me with their story. Um, and that's, you know, from the people who have been on the podcast, yourselves included, to the customers and the clients that I connect with now, like when we first get into the conversation, of course, there, you know, you got to get to know people a little bit. And then the fact that they allow me to pull information out of them and they're trusting me with whatever it is they're sharing with me. Um, that's something I, I try to respect. Like the fact that when people give you their time, first and foremost, that's significant because they'll never get that back. But then the trust that, you know, I'm not going to take this and warp it or abuse it. Again, whether it's business, close relationships, this podcast, um, that's important to me. That's, that's just one of the things that I, I tell everybody, like even in business, I hate contracting with people. I tell folks like I'm a handshake guy. If you can't trust me on a handshake, then we should really look at our business agreements. And if they read my contracts and details, like they can see they can break a contract so easily. And I, I do that on purpose because first I'm not, you know, if we have a contract dispute I'm not going to chase you down with lawyers. I don't have time for that. So, you know, I, I try to be on the up and up with everybody and respect, you know, exactly what they, what they're entrusting me with. Um, and then the chance to listen and just offer my, offer my time back to them. I mean, listening is the first, I think, relationship builder that I've learned I think I'm good at, like if I had to give myself credit for anything, I think I, I can sit and I can just intuitively listen to what people are saying. And I hear what they're saying that they're not saying some at times and then ask questions. Um, so those are, I mean, both sides. I think that's what I've been able to do to, you know, like to end the conversation and most every podcast episode and guests that I've had on at the end of the conversation, everybody says, that was really fun. Like, that was good. And that tells, that that kind of validates, like, well, you know, I, I spend time listening, and then I, I go off script, and I ask all these extra questions, and I have to control myself, because it's like, this is supposed to be, when I first started this podcast, it was supposed to be a 25-minute long podcast, and now, on average, every episode is about 53 minutes on average, and trust me, I probably could take it longer, um, but it's because I listen and I engage and I try to ask questions. So that's that's what I try to do literally on a day to day basis when I go to networking events now and I, I just talk to people and listen and and then somehow some way it draws a connection. I think that's quite unique, Jarvis. I think the fact that you invite people to share with you and they take you up on it inspires you. Yeah. And then that in turn wants, it's like you're paying it forward. That's how you try to inspire others by doing the same. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard that as, as, as a, as a source of inspiration, but it's very, um, it's very founded in people again. So I think that's a common thread that we heard even earlier about why you, you wanted to do what you are doing here, connecting people to others. So it, it, totally makes sense why that inspires you it does and it, it's almost um it, it's like he's jarvis has his own perpetual motion uh, machine <laughs> inspiring others and being inspired and inspiring others and um, spoken yeah. like an engineer nigel <laughs> oh. <laughs> and we found that first perpetual motion machine jarvis. <laughs> It was funny when I um, when I was going through uh, my engineering program, everyone would tell me like you are the most non-engineer that we know because you know I so much of everything that I did was just you know I I I think I naturally get the analytical side of being an engineer, but it was the people side that I personally loved. And when you think about industrial engineers, 
I will say stereotypically compared to all the other disciplines, it's more people driven than just, you know, the analytics and the designs and et cetera. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I, I recently just finally sat down to do like my Clifton strengths. Um, are you all familiar with that uh, strength yeah. finders and such? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, so I finally sat down a few months ago, maybe November, December, and I did it. And then I got my report back um, and I just pulled it up because I had to remember specifically, but my number one strength is that I'm a relator. That is literally my number one strength. And essentially what that says, it a relator describes your attitude towards relationships. So in simple terms, um, the thing pulls you toward people you already know and, and so forth. So it's all about building deep relationships. Um, I, I am an extrovert. Like if you look through, uh, was it Myers-Briggs? Like mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm extroverted. So I get my energy from people, which is essentially what that starts to connect into. And then to see Gallup strengths. And I, I've become a huge fan of Gallup strengths uh, also for the last few months now. Um, but yeah, to see my number one strength is a relator. Like I, I don't just enjoy talking to a room full of people, but I'll find a room full of people and get excited but then I'll go and find a small, smaller group of people, one or two people or whatever, and I'll have a deep conversation that creates relationships. And then I was like, man, when you think about the podcast, like I get one-on-one -on -one conversations with people for about an hour and we have a really insightful conversation. So it, it really validated a lot of that. But I mean, like I said, literally, I've just done this. And since doing this uh, last month, I took the strengths I'm in the process now of becoming a strength certified coach because this had a, such an impact. I was like, this is really good. More people should know. And that, that's something I've already said, like play to your talents, play to your strengths. And I didn't know this was a thing until I finally read the book, um, which has been recommended a few times on previous episodes, but I finally read the book and I was like, Hey, let me take this, let me take this test and see what happens. And then I was like, wow, this is really, really good. So so it is literally a strength to your point, um, Evita is, I am a relator, that's my number one strength and I am completely validated with everything that I've been doing. And I would be shocked if something wasn't uh, also related to being an entrepreneur there where you seize opportunity because <laughs> you took this test and you're like, well, I, I need to, I need to use this as a way to, you know, help people use this as well. So well, <laughs> there's I'll, I'll, there. I'll talk about the top three, at okay. least. So number two is significance. And basically what that says is um, I want to be very significant in, in the eyes of others in the truest sense. I want to be recognized. But but when I first started reading it, I was like, I don't want to be significance to other. But as I read deeper into this profile, it basically talks about leaving legacy, which as I read it further, I was like, wow, because when I look at my values and I keep my mission, vision and value for my business right behind my camera here, number two value is build a legacy. So number one, number one is make an impact. Number two is build a legacy. And so significance and the fact that when you read this further, it talks about legacy. That's very important to me because, you know, what I'm doing, I want to impact others who are doing what we do, but I want to create something that, you know, my son and my daughter can come up and at least know that they can do what they want, how they want to their vision. And that's what I want to leave them with. If they take over my business, cool. If they start their own business or whatever, but I want them to know it's a, it's a legacy. Like they don't have to be confined. Um, but then number three is strategic. Now, how many times have I said the word strategy on our call today, right? So strategic connects into, um, this as the theme enables you to sort through the clutter and find the best route. And then it goes on further. But like, those are my top three strengths according to Gallup, but I've clearly drunken the Gallup Kool-Aid. Um, but they, you know, again, when I say I felt validated after taking this, this you know, assessment, um, I would encourage anybody and everybody to eventually spend some time to learn about it. Um, but this, I had a mentor, an actual a real life mentor who used to say, you know, forget about your weaknesses, play to your strengths. And I, I just thought I was a saying, and now I was like, oh, this is a real thing. So 
I, I've heard that. In fact, I've heard it uh, in relation to that movie about Rudy. Mm -hmm. you know, uh -huh. That like it's a it's you know that that story is beautiful, but I've I've heard it before that uh, truly though you want to go after what your strengths are so that you can do something more than just one occasion, yeah. right? Because that's that's where the the ability to connect or to provide value resides mostly. Yeah, and and you know the the kind of the flip side. So you would think, oh, if if these are my strengths, then I must have weaknesses, and that's not what you know. At least from the Gallup side of the world, that's not what they communicate. Yes, there are things that are not your strongest strengths, but they're not necessarily weaknesses. We all have different aspects of our you know of, of our talents. But the other side of it is, okay, well, if these are my strengths and these are my quote unquote weaknesses, then as I connect with other people, I'm not looking for people to you know, balance my weaknesses. I'm actually looking for people who make my strengths stronger. And that was, uh, you know, again, I, I literally just finished up you know, some of the training for, for being a Gallup strengths coach or whatever. Mm -hmm. But when I heard that mindset, we don't necessarily want to, you know, reconnect with our weaknesses or, you know, balance our strengths with weaknesses, but we want to find things, positions, roles, jobs, or whatever that make our strengths stronger. Um, again, that just resonated with me. It was like, oh, I am meant to be super duper awesome in everything. And I'm supposed to do that on purpose. Okay. You know, it's just a, a more fun way of thinking. You know, Jarvis uh, and Avid, I don't know if you're aware, but there's a story out there um, about uh, Usain Bolt. Mm, okay. You know, the, 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 the track, uh, the, the athlete, Olympic. Um, and basically, he would always, uh, his partner in running, you would see, was, was Asafa Powell. Mm. So they would be running together in, in, in these meets and uh, competitions. And Asafa Powell, if you look at the beginning of the videos, would always come out of the blocks faster than Hussein. Uh, and then there was a lot of other runners that came out of the blocks faster than Hussein. Well, the story basically said, you know, at one point in time, they said, we got to get your, your start times faster, your start times fast. But that story sort of ended up being the coach saying, you know what, Hussein, you're so fast. Don't even worry about your weakness coming out of the blocks. Mm -hmm. Just run. Just <laughs> run. Just do what you do best because they're not going to catch you. Just, you, you know. do you. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And they stopped focusing on his weakness so much and just let him, you know, run. Um, I don't know if you're aware of that, but it reminds no. me of that. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I've, I've never heard that story, but that's very much the mindset. That's great you know, example of it being utilized because undeniably like that guy is probably the best at the world of what he does, or at least when he had his run, you, oh, know, yeah. you know, he was, you couldn't touch him. And I mean, just imagine all of us figuring out, you know, what are we exceptional at or what are the things like now I'm, I'm at a point again, just whether it's life or business, I set my clock every day for 440. I try to get up and have a really disciplined morning you know, I get up, stretch, go for a run or go lift weights. And then I come home and get the kids. But more times than not, unless I just had a very long night, I'm beating my alarm up. Like I'm, I, I'll lay in bed. It's like, is it 440 yet? You know, <laughs> and like my, and you know, I lay there and my wife starts, you know, I was like, oh, okay, well, if I just lay here and I'm all jittery, ready to get up, I might as well just get up. So, um, so yeah, you know, for, for all of our listeners, like, I want y'all to have that kind of excitement about the things you're doing. Like, like you're beating your alarm up because you can't wait to get the next, the day started and, you know, go create more opportunities, right? So whatever that looks like. Um, but yeah, that's just, again, it, it's where I am right now. So it's, it's a cool place to be. It's so inspiring. Uh, it's so inspiring. So Jarvis, what, what would you say is the, the best piece of career advice uh, that you've ever received? Um, and then also we want to know the best piece of career advice that you gave uh, or the most proud of as well uh, in any order. All right. So the best career advice I've ever received um, came from the HR leader that I mentioned. Yeah. Um, and I mean, to this day, I still practice what she told me 
And that was 2007, 2008, more or less. And to this day, I still, I still do exactly what she said, um, which was basically, she told me this and I didn't know she, now I do it literally, but she said, look at yourself like a business, right? Mm -hmm. So what the same, the same way a business would add more products and services so that it's always valuable, she was like, you have to look at yourself like that. And so what skills are you adding every year to make sure that you're profitable or valuable to the business market, right? Um, and that's essentially what I did. You know, I, I she said it, and then I kind of took it and I put structure behind what she said to now my birthday is in September. So that's the start of my personal fiscal year. And every year I come up with a set of goals and I, you know, where I'm at now, the process has evolved to where I, you know, I break it down into quarters. So my Q1 goals, my Q2 goals, et cetera. And I, I'm, you know, that's all I work off of from a personal development, professional development standpoint is, you know, on a, you know, break them down into quarters, break those down into months. And then am I doing a few things every day that helps me take another step? So that's that's the best advice. And I'm pretty sure when she gave it to me, she didn't think I was going to take it to this extreme. But that was just the impact that she had on me then. Um, wow. And then the best advice that I've ever given, I have no idea. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know if I give good advice. That's the sad part. I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I've ever given advice. Um, Anything that makes you proud, like, man, I'm glad that I sort of uh, told Nigel that. I'm glad that I told Avita. <laughs> I like how you reframe that, Nigel. I think hopefully that sparks you, Jervis. Yeah, no, um, you know, I, I mean, in all fairness, um, I, I get to connect with so many people and, and share my thoughts. You know, I actually, I will say I've learned so I intentionally actually try to not give advice. So that's maybe why, why I'm struggling, but I've learned to ask a lot of questions when I'm having, you know, just conversations with people. And I, I have gotten a lot of people's like, man, you know, I never thought about it like that. So that's a comment that I get fairly often. And it's something that's intentional. Um, the reason I've learned to not give advice is because, you know, I, I was listening to something. I can't remember who it was. But it was a few years ago and they were like, you know, when I when I give advice, I'm basically telling people their life won't be better until they do what I do. And when I heard that, I was like, you know, that's an interesting point of view. But, you know, the fact that we can still engage in conversations now, my only goal is to like, I want to stimulate a thought. And if that thought helps them take a next step or question their state of mind or that's good, but I, I, I wish I could just right there on the spot. I wish I could come up with a great example. But I mean, I, I was on a call yesterday, for example, with a business owner. She has this great idea for a coffee business that she wants to start. And she, she, so I, I love coffee. I'm a coffee connoisseur, right? Um, so I'm just like, hey, you want to do coffee? I love coffee. I'm your customer. So talk to me, right? And so we, <laughs> We had a fun conversation and the questions that I asked her, like she wants to create um, a, a, like a, not a kiosk, like basically like a vending machine for coffee, for the brand of coffee she wants to create. I was like, I'm a coffee connoisseur. I would never buy coffee in a vending machine. So I was like, so how do you appeal to a per You know, so now I'm just all asking questions like, how would you make this, how, you know, af affordable for me? presented with a high level of quality, et cetera, et cetera. And we actually came out with some really cool ideas. So like her first approach that she wants to work through is actually going to be to find very high-end exclusive clients. And I was like, that's a beautiful idea and it's profitable, um, you know, for what she wants to do. But, you know, again, just the the whole process of just asking questions, that's, that's what I try. So I guess that would be my, my reply to you, Nigel, is just asking questions, be interested. Like that's, that's all I try to do with people. Yes. No, I, I like that answer. And I think it's part of, um, it also resonates, uh, uh to, to the part of the culture, um, of, you know, of the work that we do and the work that you do. Um, a lot of times, you know, we try to lead by asking a lot of questions Absolutely. as well. 
that's a big part of that. What is that commercial? Uh, stay frosty, my friends. Really, stay curious, my friends. That's stay what I'm. Curious. That's <laughs> what I hear you saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's a, You know, I think when we appreciate that everybody has a story, um, you know, like you can't help but be interested in just, you know, again, if somebody's going to give you their time and have a conversation with you, like, I just want to learn and kind of soak up their story for a little bit. So that's. That's the approach. I'm still, I, I don't know, I'm, I'll, I'll keep thinking about it. if I actually can think of a time I gave good advice, but um, I definitely say ask a lot of questions. Quality people, thank you so much again for plugging in with today's episode. If you enjoyed it, please feel free to share it using the social media link posted in the notes below. I'd also be very grateful if you could subscribe, give us a rating, and also share feedback on what additional value we can bring to you through this podcast. That helps a lot with our show rankings and also with getting this great content out to healthcare leaders around the world. And if you want to engage with me directly, then please connect with me on LinkedIn, where I share additional resources, access to our QI community, and much more. All right, quality people, thank you again, and I'll see you back here next week when I introduce you to another quality guest.